How's it? How's it? How's it? You're here with me, Nick. I'm joined by a good old Ronnie. He's in the best of moods today. And we have a new team member joining us. The next few weeks' episodes will be brought to you by the Rugby Ball Light South Africa. You guys can check them out on rblsa.co.za if you want to check them out. We'll be showing what they, they've got on our social media pages. But yeah, Ronnie, how are you doing? Yeah, well, we staged six load shedding in South Africa. So not too good. I've literally just kicked off a four-hour stint uh, of no electricity starting now. And daylight's almost over. So by the time this podcast ends or this recording, I'm going to be sitting here in pitch black. Yeah, well, at least just a lot in the bush. So that's like a... Yeah, so as I said, it's going to be pitch black after this, uh, which is a little bit unfortunate because I've actually I've got this rugby ball light. It's really awesome. I've been testing it for some time now. Not actually testing. I've been making good use of it. Uh, really to light my way uh, throughout my house in the evenings. You know, it's an officially licensed product with Gilbert, which is amazing. You know, we've, you know, right now it's in it's South African colors that you can get it in. You know, it uses a standard two-prong South African plug, which is amazing. You know, you always want devices that can plug in with two prongs. That's that's <laughs> awesome. And, and you know, don't, this is, this is an unofficial, so this is in no way on the packaging, but so Nicholas and myself did a bit of a test actually, and uh, we were able to determine that this how that this light can light up 36 million cubic centimeters. So uh, yeah, that's unofficially. And if you have a room bigger than that, well, just get two lights, guys. I've got one here as well. It's a lacquer addition to all my little collector's items around the TV, and we always toss it on during game day. But the most exciting thing about this. These guys are on board with us for the July series, and we will be giving away the rugby ball light to the top three finishers in our Super Brew competition. So that's, that's giving away three lights. Three lights, hey? Can you believe it? I might have to tell some of my friends that uh, they, no, they won't be getting a light anymore. <laughs> but there we go. It's going to be lacquer, guys. So if you haven't yet joined our Super Brew pool, code is edit swab. I'm still not able to use that in a sentence. Sorry, Ronnie. But without further ado, let's jump into the rugby. Curry Cup from the weekend, hey? What scenes did we get there at Tafelaga Park? Pumas 26, 19 Griquas. So I guess we know who the real giant slayers are now, hey? Pumas. <laughs> so you've decided right. now. So, so point number one is I've been maintaining that both Griquas and Pumas are giant slayers all season. And I was proven correct because, you know, I just know what I'm talking about. Well and done, then, right. uh, We'll get you an official naughty badge. <laughs> Just keep quiet now, I'm busy talking. So then secondly, <laughs> the Pumas beat the Griquas convincingly, I thought, and making them the, the ultimate giant slayers, the real giant slayers. The, the, I know you want to say something, just keep quiet. And uh, <laughs> coincidentally, also come from where, where I hail from. So the low felt boys, well done to you. Uh, absolutely brilliant. The men in pink, you, you did us proud. Well, if the Griquas are giant slayers, surely the Pumas weren't slaying giants when they played the Griquas. So you can't really use that analogy, Ronnie. Yamaro. <laughs> but yeah, I do agree with you. Pumas thoroughly outplayed them. What a win for, for Jimmy Stonehouse. Some really cool scenes there. Uh, the old Um crying on the side of the field was epic. You know, it just shows the passion those supporters have for their club. They don't get to see their club in action like the, the bigger unions. And they really performed well this year and really gave the fans what they deserve and what they came out there for. 
I'd love to I'd love to hear what Kreat Small has to say because in all honesty, nobody has said anything about his ridiculous comments about putting the curry cup in the museum. I've seen here and there on Facebook some people have said, yeah, no, it's a it's a watered-down curry cup and whatnot, but uh I, I think that's a little bit ridiculous. It, I think it's, it's absolutely it really ridiculous. ridiculous. I got quite ticked off in last week's episode when you told me about that. I did write that article calling out his small opinion. And <laughs> Funny enough, the two complaints, the only two complaints we've heard from the rugby world in the last two weeks have both come from the Blue Bulls. Gert Small crying about not having enough depth and Jake White crying about his team being sought over in France again, all his players. Mm -hmm. So a lot of complaining coming out of Pretoria. Yes, it's a little bit unfortunate, hey, but uh, maybe sour worms or sour grapes or whatever those, uh, how that saying goes. And Ronnie, international season, I have a bone to pick with you. Last night, you say to me on WhatsApp, hey, oh, the Springbok team's not coming out on Tuesday. ETV says it's coming out on uh, Wednesday. I don't know what you watch on ETV. I thought that was a porn channel. But anyway, <laughs> late night ETV. Punted says it's coming out on Tuesday. We have our box squad. What do you say? I don't know. I know who manages uh, the, the Punted webpage and Sometimes I can't trust his credibility. Maybe look, maybe it was me that that's the that that's not the credible one here. But but okay, I'll take it on chin. I was wrong, but you know what? I'll still write about the the the, the giant slayers, pumas, <laughs> and giant slayers, crickers. Okay, so we we splitting it one each, eh? Oh, uh, well, we we might have to bring up the topic of uh, what happens when the defending when the attacking team takes the ball into the in goal area, but the defending team actually runs it over the dead ball area. That that discussion, you know, that point there actually makes it two one to me. <laughs> yeah, to me. <laughs> well, Ronnie, why don't we break this down? I think to look at the team, let's start maybe with the tight five. Jacques Ninova sprung a couple of surprises I felt this week. He's gone with a starting front row of Ox, Bongi, and Franz Malherber, and then Irben at Irben and Lert at Lock. You know, what are your, so what are your you thoughts on that? I'll have you know that my team was exactly my tight five that I picked before this weekend was exactly those five in that order. And I was very proud of myself there. So I, I can clearly be a Springbok selector. Yeah, but yeah I, look, I think France, I know I interrupted you there, but you can come and have your moment to shine in a, in, in, in a minute or two. Um, Ox, well done to him. Absolutely. I think he's cementing his position there as the new beast or uh, as beast 2.0 or as the ox you know I, I i like bongi a lot and you know i i often rave about bongi and i think it must suck for for teams to play against him i think he hurts people he's incredibly physical and it's just incredibly uncomfortable to play against him and then have malcolm come on a little bit later uh france you know i haven't seen enough game time out of him so i thought you know i really wanted to to see him in this first game get his opportunity to to uh, to play at dotted and then Eben and Lurt, yes, you know, they've just made an excellent pairing at lock. So, you know, that's a good tight. It's a very strong tight five. Yeah, I mean, there's no real surprises there for me at all. I had Malherba on the bench. I thought we would have gone with Trevor Nyakane. You know, we relied mm. on those sort of front row sets last year, but Nyakane also arriving late from France now. Interestingly enough, I wonder if Malherba got the nod there because of Paul Williams' comments in the news that this morning. Did you see those? No, what did he say? He said Franz Malherber is the best tight head prop in the world. He dishes up scrum penalties like a goose shitting the golden egg. <laughs> so he definitely I, backed back no Malherber for the start. 
well done, France. That was a great, a great compliment to old France. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we haven't seen the Welsh team yet, but they do have very inexperienced front rowers coming with them after Wynn Jones. So very experienced front row from our side, actually, two of the three having played in the World Cup. Uh, so we've just discussed the tie five, and obviously I went, I went a little, bit, I went first. Uh, do you want to take your Lucy's and tell us who you picked and 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 what shark, Coach Shark picked? Yeah, so I am not very pleased with the loose trio component here. I accept Jasper Visa there at eight. I've had my comments about him before. I do not feel like he's our best option, but I did predict that he would start. You know, relying on on what was there from last year. Franco Mostert at seven, I have a problem with. That did not work for us last year. It didn't go well. Excellent. Didn't ex- work for us last year. No, at flank, he did not work for us last year. It was a bad idea. It was a bad idea when New Zealand did it with Scott Barrett. Only Peter Steftatoy can really do that move. I'm sorry. No, I disagree. Quacha Smith had an excellent season at seven last year. Excellent performer against the All Blacks. I think he should have been given the start there. And then Sia, obviously, captaining us from, from the sixth jersey. All right. So, you know, my three Lucy's were Sia at six, Franco at seven. And I wanted to see Ivan Ruiz have a go. I thought that even though it was the first, first game in the tournament, just stick Ivan Ruiz in there. Let's see what happens. But I, I do want to go back to your comments on Franco. I, I disagree with you because, you know, a, a comment came out of the Springbok camp that the numbers on the back of the jerseys actually mean nothing. That Coach Shark and, and Rassi have um, identified roles that need to be, need to be taken care of in a, in a match day 23. Whether those roles are taken care of by the four or by the five or by the six, or by the 12. They they build a team and make sure that each and every role that was identified was catered for by at least one player in that team, whether he was the six or the seven or whatever the case is. So for me, putting him, playing Franco at seven or playing him at four, as long as the various roles that have been identified by the coaching staff are taken care of, no problem at all. Franco Mostert has got an incredible work rate, just like Peter Steph Tatoy. We also complained about Peter Steph the toy when he moved to seven uh, right in the beginning. The reality is uh, he's, he became world player of the year at flank, which I we didn't all accept it. I definitely feel like that move with Frank who didn't go well last year. I am by no means bashing him as a player. Phenomenal guy, phenomenal player. I just feel like this loose trio looks a bit slow to me. And then scrum half and fly half, what do you have to say there? Hey? Look, I was a little bit vocal about scrum half selections when we when we discussed the squad a few weeks ago. I was not happy with the fact that Faf de Klerk was actually being included. I felt that we knew what we had in Faf and we might as well have left it at home and chosen it and, and picked another additional center. But anyway, so Faf was chosen by Coach Shark. I, in fact, actually picked Herschel. I just felt like Herschel... Herschel needs to be he's our second i believe he's our second choice scrum off right so we know we've got Kubis Reinach and some other scrum offs for sure but herschel needs some game time and we better give him game time earlier rather than later and i thought this was the prime opportunity to start with herschel because we know what we have in fuff so i would have put i would have put herschel at nine and in fact i would have put fuff on the bench uh, just as a bit of a backup but we'll talk about backups a little bit later yeah you know i said fuff is our most important player for this tour I still stand by that. Alton, Alton has not had much game time. I'm very, very worried about that. You know, I trust him as a player. He's been the, the second in command for a while. I'm just worried he's a bit short of, of game time. 
you know, you hope the Springbok training environment makes up for that, I guess. But we'll just have to see, you know, Pollard obviously also only joining the side late this week, so he wasn't considered. But yeah, and then let's look at the back three together, maybe. Mpimpi, Colby, and Damien Willemse at 15. So Damien was obviously identified quite early on as being a utility back, and, you know, they obviously slotted him in at 15. I just have a question, though. Where is Fussy? Is Fussy injured, or or uh, has he just simply not been selected because they chose someone else? He's simply not selected because they chose someone else. Right. Okay. So it's not a, it's not an injury that's keeping him out. So in fact, I would have liked to have seen Fussy there, but you know we didn't get that. I chose Cheslin. Um, I also chose my pimps um, as my two wings. So look, Damien Villanza is great. I actually put Damien Villanza on the bench. Uh, at, uh, with the 23 jersey, I just felt that you could play Fussy, you could play Chesney, and if anything happened over there, you know, we could use Damien Billumsa as that utility back for cover for literally any of those guys. Yeah, I, I, this is again the Franco Mostert situation. Why is the best 12 from the URC now selected at 15 when you've got Fussy and Galant in the squad? why why is that Damien Willems has got a number of caps if you're not starting him at 12 like you say have him on the bench he's the utility you know I, I really don't understand the Willems move and I'm quite concerned because he was carrying an injury in the last two URC games if Willems goes down and something happens to Alton both players you know that are struggling at the moment who kicks for posts really oh Faf Faf right Faf can kick for what sale. about what about Mapimpi? Mapimpi used to kick for the Bulldogs. Uh, when did he play for the Bulldogs? Way back before the Kings. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so you kicker. say Faf, Faf will be our kicker. Hey? Oh, Faf, Faf has kicked for Sale Sharks recently. And obviously, we heard that Philly was running at 10. So there's cover there, right? But yeah, I agree with you. I'm not happy with the whole situation. I mean, I would rather, you know, you could play Cheslin at 15 as well. Yeah. Um, if it really comes down to it. But yeah. And then the centers, I don't think there's much contention here, Damien and Um. Yeah, so we've got Damien and Um. um I obviously put Damien Willemse on the bench as cover for, you know, one of the centers. And that's, I just felt that, you know, as a utility back, he could cover both those roles. I've been vocal about the fact that I didn't want uh, Faf de Klerk actually included in the squad because we know what we have with him. Leave him at home, bring an additional center along and, and start building your depth at center. I would have liked to have seen Andre Esterhazen perhaps as a bit of cover somewhere. But you know what? Lucanu and Damien uh, Delende are great center. They're a great center pairing. You can play them any day of the week. I don't have a problem with that. I just think we need to just build depth rather than play a very dominant and, and center pairing that are so used to one another. But yeah, I think all in all, it's a fairly decent starting side. I think for the challenge that's posed as well, not enough experimentation for me, but we did expect this for the first test. You know, we we expected them to stick to what they know, who they trust. And I mean, much of the same on the bench, although there are two debutants. So what do you make of the bench, Ronnie? So the bench being Malcolm, Stephen Ketchup, Vincent Koch, Solomon, Murat, Elric, Lowe, Kwaha, Smith, Herschel, Yankees, and Vili Lahu. Yeah, I'm not too. I'm not too sad about the bench. I think it's a lot of power there. I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit uh, frustrated with the fact that we're going for the six-two split. I think we've got some backline players that need some game time. So why aren't we going for a five-three split? Give an additional backline player the opportunity to. We've got a lot of possibles in the in as backline players. Why are we not uh, giving them the opportunity to be part of the match day twenty-three? 
and giving them some game time? Are we more concerned with giving our forward possibles more game time than our backline possibles? That's a question. Now that's an actually interesting point that you raised there, Ronnie. The 6-2 split wouldn't have been my first choice, but I do feel like we're going to rely heavily on Lowe and Quacker probably to come on at the same time, in fact, and start to hit that breakdown, start to tackle tackle players, you know, like Beard and and all of those guys in the the rucks. One player I have a question mark over here is Salman Murat. I don't know how he he managed to work his way into the 23 because out of the, the three junior locks, let's call them, in the squad, you've got Ruan Nokia, you've got him and Marvin Ori. Ori got capped last year. Ruan Nokia for me is the form one of the three, yet we see Salman Murat getting a game. Is it just his chance or have I missed Salman Murat has Salman Murat's been part of the Springbok alignment camps and training camps for some time now. Although, you know, he hasn't really had a shot at Springboks or running on as, as part of the match day 23. He's been part of the alignment camp. So that makes it a lot easier for a coach to bring someone like that in and say, okay, well, you're familiar with how, how we train and how we work. While we get these other guys up to scratch, uh, you're the man for the for the job. And then, Ronnie, I think the last question, and I have this for you, Vili LaRue on the bench. Is this the coach's way of slowly easing him out of the team? Because let's be a, let's be honest, in a 6-2 split, that's not the option you put on the bench. No, in a 6-2 split, you have someone like a Damien Villimsa, right? Exactly. That, that, that covers a lot more position. Look, Vili's obviously been put on the bench. I don't think he had enough run time at 15. You know, we heard that he was running at 10, so he was he had one foot in at the, in the, the 10 jersey. I'm sure he had a little bit of practice at 15, but maybe not enough for the coaches to feel like he's he's had enough practice at, at 15 to be able to start at 15. So maybe, yeah, maybe look, this is the beginning of the end for him. It has to be the beginning of the end. I mean, it can't be. We can't be in the middle here. He's old enough for, for it to be the beginning of the end. Look, they need to start phasing him out. Maybe maybe if, if if things really turn ugly you've got chairs that we can play various positions Damien Phillips that can play various positions and Faf the clerk can play various positions so maybe there is enough cover maybe they don't need to rely on someone like uh, Vili Lahu to be our our utility 23 yeah so well we'll have to see Ronnie but taking a, a bit of a broader look at the tour in general you know first game up at Loftus this weekend did you see the stadium is sold out eh? so this afternoon there was like a thousand tickets left yeah. and completely sold, sold out now up. and then we heading off to Bloemfontein next week we'll be traveling down there as well which is going to be epic then after Cape Town we're going to go hit up the Winelands before we go watch the box in Cape Town Stadium it's going to be a lacquer one too, hey, Ronnie? Yeah, it is going to be fantastic. Uh, it's always enjoyable, these mid-year tours when these European teams come to our shores, to our lands. And, you know, those are three awesome stadiums. Yeah, I think it's going to be really, really good. I'm expecting a whitewash, a series whitewash from the Springboks here. What do you have in mind there, Ronnie? I think we must be careful to not be overly confident. The first game will be will be telling if we are absolutely dominant in the first game i expect the coaches to also make a couple of changes with respect some some mass changes really to give to build some depth and give a lot more guys opportunities so there's gonna be some strange combinations that come out uh, in that third game so possibly that's one that we could lose then because it's strange combinations and experimentation if we if we only barely uh, win then maybe that'll bode well for us because then we can barely win three games and and that'll be good 
then that's when we get a three. So I'm I'm not confident. I don't think we're gonna get three nil. I think we're gonna we're gonna go up two two one. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But are we gonna win on Saturday? We're gonna win on Saturday for sure. It's just this is a strong game. This is a strong team for sure. What's your pick for that one, Ronnie? Springboks by. All right, so let me just open up my my super brew app and scroll down to where my prediction is. Uh, and so I'm in South Africa. South Africa by nineteen. South Africa by 19. I went South Africa by 16. So we'll have to see who, who takes it and who takes the lead in our Super Brew pool. And on that note, guys, another reminder, join our pool. There's over 600 of us in there already. Prizes to be given away. Like us, follow us, and you qualify. It's going to be an epic, epic three weeks of international rugby, and I really can't wait for that. Right, so we just discussed Springbok v. Wales, but uh, that's not the only tours that are happening this summer northern hemisphere slash winter southern hemisphere uh, other tours include uh well let's let's go with them one by one we've got new zealand v ireland what are your thoughts on that uh, mr mr nick yeah some shit going on in new zealand hey have you seen how there's a lot of covid there? eh the yeah. coach foster's got covid richie moonga's got covid jack goodhue <laughs> havili will jordan all of these no, they don't have that natural immunity that all of us got with uh, yeah. semi-open borders. So they they struggling a bit. I mean, I mean, Joe Schmidt has even been called up now to assist in the coaching. He was only set to join after this series. And Ireland going in very well placed, very in form. You know, their teams competed in two finals, two domestic finals. I don't think so. What are your New predictions Zealand in New Zealand though? Only South Africa. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to get down <laughs> to, right? I mean, uh, what are you? What are your? What are you really thinking? How, what's it going to go? Three, three up for New Zealand. No, I think Ireland are going to win the first one. New Zealand will take the second two. Yeah, so Ireland are going to win the first one because of all this COVID mayhem. But I agree with you there. But New Zealand's going to win the series. So let's be serious now. It's New yeah. Zealand. Yeah, no, you don't. You don't win three games in New Zealand. I'm afraid, or two Ireland. Only South Africa can manage that definitely. And we needed Monet Stain. So <laughs> yeah, and there's only one Monet Stain any place for us. Anyway, so okay, so so we we're both in agreement that this is two one in favor of New Zealand. But what an epic matchup! I actually cannot wait to wake up on Saturday mornings and watch that. Yeah, if you Saturday mornings, that's uh, yeah, you're right. That's gonna time zone differences. I'm not used to waking up early to watch my rugby, but uh, I guess we'll have to do that. And then good old Eddie versus Dave. Hey, I don't really know what to make. This is a little bit more difficult to call, but I also think it's the most evenly matched uh, tour of the lot. Or might just be ridiculous. No, hey, you reckon as well? I reckon Australia's making a bit of a comeback from where they were. Shit. England's dropped down from where they were. And I feel like it's a very well-balanced tour between the sides. Going to be interesting, hey? All right. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to call a 2-1 in favor of Australia, right? Would that be a fair assessment? See that yeah. brain of yours is heating yeah. over. Okay. I, right. No, I agree with you there. Southern Hemisphere, right? So we support Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. England's going to win the dead rubber third test. <laughs> so it's going to go two up to Australia. Yeah. And then Australia is going to push all of their uh, big name players into the SA, Australia A to go to play in the, in the in the Pacific Nations Cup. All right. I, get you. I see where you're going. I agree <laughs> with you there. So then we've got France v. Japan. Yeah, Japan I think France won 3 0. Yeah, France has actually done pretty well for this tour. I don't know if you've had a look at their squad, but taking a lot of youngsters, expanding their squad, testing their depth a little bit. Japan not having the greatest games at the end of last year, though. 
I think France will still take it. I think they've got a fantastic setup there. Their junior structure is also doing very well. Pretty keen. And I'm pretty proud of France for, for looking to to check out the wider areas of their squad. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a no-brainer. This is 3-0 in favor of France. It's going to be, France are a de- deadly, deadly team. And this is a perfect turf for them to really test out and, and test out and experiment, build some absolute serious, dangerous depth for the likes of us to face in, uh, in the World Cup next year. That's going to be... So uh, I'm a little bit nervous. I wish uh, France got another tour of, I don't know, maybe Uruguay or someone rather than Japan because Japan's really going to prepare them. But I think it's also two really nice styles of rugby to watch being played against one another. I think that's going to be a lot of nice running rugby, fast-paced rugby. I mean, France has the quickest rack speed in the world at the moment. So very, very eager to see that match even. Finally, we've got Scotland v Argentina. Yeah, Argentina finally getting games at home again. They haven't had any since 2019. That's a little bit sad as well because, you know, they left uh, Super Rugby with us, right? So the only... (laughs) Pablo Matera got a little bit of action with the Crusaders, but, uh, you know, the rest of Argentina, hard luck for you, Oaks. So it's good to see that Argentina is going to get some... uh, get a tour. I think that, you know, Argentina... They need the game time. Scotland needs to to show that they aren't as pathetic as people think they are. We love we love Scotland, right? But I mean, they have really been struggling over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, Scotland. Can you believe it? Didn't select Finn Russell or Stuart Hogg. Oof, that that okay. was a shock for me. That was a big surprise. But Argentina now being coached by Michael Checker after Ledesma resigned. It'll be interesting. I mean, Czech has been there now for a couple of years. He was with them through the pandemic. So he kind of knows the ins and outs of their club. And I'm sure that he speaks that, you know, his Spanish has improved as well. So, you know, he's going to, I'm sure he'll do some great things there with, with Argentina. Yeah. So he'll be with them until at least the end of the World Cup next year. And then, Ronnie, you know, when I greeted you this evening before we started recording, you seemed a little bit bleak with life. I have just, just my spidey senses telling me we're in for a rant this evening. Yeah, I'm actually also going to to blame this channel for making whatever I'm about to discuss now uh, happen. Okay. All right. So there's obviously been a lot more rugby that's that has transpired over the last month and this year, and, and than than what we've just discussed here tonight. So, for example, I knew we were not going to talk about the under twenty rugby that's actually taking place. So I thought I'd take this opportunity to give them a little bit of uh, limelight as well. So under twenty rugby, we have had so it's the Six Nations that's actually happening now because the World Cup's been played put on hold because of the pandemic. So the Six Nation consists of eight teams. Um, so <laughs> yes. <laughs> The under-26 nations consist of eight teams. It's your stock standard uh, six nations plus Georgia and South Africa. So is that a precursor? Is that, do we read into that before the uh, the senior open tournament? I don't, I don't think Anyways, so. Not the, after what our under-20s are doing to them in that competition. <laughs> right. So we've got England uh, 22, South Africa 30, France 40, Ireland 21. So France 40, Ireland 21, those are, your, those are two serious heavyweights there. And France absolutely demolishing the other heavyweight there so France is the team to beat Scotland 15 v Wales uh, 45 then also we had Italy with 36 to Georgia's 19 uh, so that's just the under 20 but then that's not all at the moment this month we've also got the uh, Women's World Rugby Pacific 4 series you know and that's that's three rounds that have actually already happened between Canada New Zealand USA and Australia so if I list off all the scores it's just crazy but uh, just to summarize what's happening there New Zealand is the team to beat it's a little bit uh, it's surprising actually that australia actually going down to the usa so and canada beating the usa so it's a little bit more even between canada usa and australia but you know new zealand having won all three of their games then 
as we move on into other tournaments, we had a game. Yeah, exactly. And we never talk about these. No one ever talks about it. We only talk about the, the top 12 tier nations. I mean, come on. We have to get with the program here, all of rugby. Chile going down, losing to Scotland A, 5 to 45. So well done to Scotland A. Zimbabwe beating the Netherlands, 37. Uh, Italy beating Portugal, 38-31. So, I mean, that's just not good enough, Italy. You can't let Portugal score 31 points and, and want to be in the Six Nations. So, come on. Emerging Italy, humped Netherlands, 50-5. to five. So, well done, Emerging Italy. Now, we're going to wrap up soon enough, but these guys do deserve a mentioning. The 2022 Asia Rugby Championship Top 3 Tournament, Korea beating Malaysia, 55-10. So, oh, well done, Korea. And then, yes, just yeah. get this. I didn't even know these guys, the following guys, had a rag team. It's a shame on me, really. 2022 Asia Rugby, the men's div- division two. Pakistan playing Thailand. Pakistan beating Thailand 24-18. I mean, sure. well done. They played in Lahore, so well done. And then uh, I know you mentioned about uh, Pan playing, not doing too well at the end of year two last year, but actually Japan have this month played uh, Uruguay. Uruguay is touring them. So Japan beating both, winning the both those games, 34-15 and 43-7, Japan beating Uruguay. So wins, but I wouldn't say convincingly, convincing enough, really, for the upcoming France series, uh, yeah. uh, France-Japan series. So Japan winning, but you know, I think they need to do a little bit better <laughs> playing Uruguay, who's, you know, you know his face that they've been out of it for very long number of years anyway so i just wanted to actually use my opportunity in my moment of fame to just uh discuss some of the games that happened this month and you know honestly we need to start uh mentioning some of these fantastic results that i've had i mean zimbabwe netherlands portugal korea pakistan i didn't know pakistan played right so yeah well, did you know that nas Berta coached india uh i did know that actually yeah one of those trivia questions okay and then ronnie saturday time it's going to be a little bit different during the international season. I'm not going to be asking you to guess a player or have any questions or anything like that. We'll give you a little bit of a break. What I am going to do is use Saturday as the opportunity to give you the stats of Springbok debutants during the series. So I chose to cover Alrek Lowe. He will hopefully get his debut off the bench this weekend after a stellar season for the Bulls. So I just thought I'd give some of his stats for the guys that don't really know what he brings if you're not really a Bulls fan. I think that's an outstanding idea. It's probably your only good idea that you've had this year. Thanks, Ronald. So quite scaringly, he was born in September, on the 20th of September, 1999. And he's only 22 years old, Ronnie. How old does that make us, say? Eh? Your well, I'm only 21, so that's short. <laughs> and then he went to her school, Transvalia. I'm not sure if we have any other Springboks from that school, but as to my research, I don't think we do. Uh, Transvalia would be um, uh, Francois Pinot. Oh, really? Hey, let me just have Gray Bloom, Francois Pinot. Oh, Francois Pinot. He made his debut in the Pro 14, not for the Bulls, actually for the Kings as a replacement against Cardiff. He was Curry Cup of Player of the Year in 2021. He's a big boy as well, eh? 198 centimeters, 110 kilos. The, the Springbok website lists him as a lock. I'm pretty sure he'd be quite bleak about that. He's he's not tall enough to be competing with the likes of Itzabeth and Lurt. And funny enough, he has colors, Springbok colors in another color sport. Can you guess what that is, Ronnie? Uh discus nope he was a horse rider he was a horse rider <laughs> yeah that, was that a must have been a big horse yeah 
So that's just a little bit about Alric Lowe there. All right, so while you just did that, you purpose Francois Pinot. Uh, although finishing his school at Pat, was called Patriot in Whitbank, uh, he s- seems to have started off his, his uh, high school in Vereniging at Transformia. Okay, well, there we have it, Ronnie. Thank you. You finally contributed something. <laughs> no, you're welcome. But yeah, lucky everybody. We cannot wait to get stuck into the Springboks uh, rugby this weekend. Ronnie and I will be at Loftus, hoping to see all of you there. Please, guys, give us a like, give us a follow, check out our Supergroup competition. You can definitely beat Ronnie and you can give beating me a bat. And we'll catch you next week, Wednesday.